Welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. Day and welcome to Not Just a Sports Report, uh, as we do every week. It's about the time of the week to have a look into the NRL, uh, specifically this weekend, round six of an NRL competition that is more competitive than I can remember it being in a long time. Some of the sides that have been bottom dwellers over the last few years starting to really rise up, including my beloved Warriors. Uh, as well as the Bulldogs starting to make some moves. Uh, then we have some of the top teams struggling to get off the bottom. Uh, the Sharks not having a great start to the season. Parramatta having a shocker. Uh, and then you just have bottom dwellers who are still being bottom dwellers in the Tigers. What is going on with the Tigers? They've been all through the news this week, uh, copping wax from every angle. Um... Yeah, I did say as well in the Weekend Rap podcast, uh, I was saying that Justin Pascoe got photographed falling asleep in the sheds. I was actually wrong. Uh, I I was like, I'm not clicking this article. This is fucking rubbish. Uh, So he was just scrolling his phone. But gee whiz, Justin Pascoe, West Tigers CEO, he's been all through the news. Um, Tigers, goodness gracious. And then there's all this talk of like, Well, they're doing really well off the field. From a business standpoint, Tigers are thriving. And honestly, that's like wearing a $1,000 pair of shoes, but you've stepped in dog shit and you're just walking around getting dog shit everywhere. Yeah, from a business standpoint, you've still got those $1,000 shoes, uh, but on the other hand, there's shit everywhere. It smells and it's fucking embarrassing. That's kind of where the Tigers are at. And I don't want to kick a team while they're down, even though I just definitely did but goodness gracious i mean for how much things have changed in 2023 nothing's changed at the tigers they've they've just gotten worse uh the only thing that's changed is that they've brought some awesome players in uh and now i think we understand why isaiah papali'i was very non-committal last year and now i think arpi whilst his joke after the grand final was clearly in jest um now i think the reality's setting in on him like holy shit this is not a joke uh so yeah unfortunate for the tigers but this isn't about the tigers and to be honest i'm gonna try and lay off them this podcast open up with a bit of shit talk but yeah i do feel for the tigers there's there's a good chance they can get the win against the eels but that's the last game of the round and ahead of a magical easter weekend Lots of chocolate eggs, fantastic. Um, Yeah, magical Easter weekend on Monday. We'll get the Tigers and the Eels. But that's the eighth game of the round. And today, it's all about the preview and predictions. I'm going to be jumping through each game of the round. We'll start with the Thursday one of the Storm and Roosters. And we'll walk, walk, work. There you go. Can't speak English. Not even five minutes into the podcast. Uh, And then we'll work our way all the way through to the final game on the Monday. Now, Sharks have the bye this round. 
probably annoys them. Like it might not be the worst timing, but I reckon they would want to get out there uh, and respond after what happened on the weekend. But Sharks, you know, just rest the body. Let Nico Hines take that extra week to get himself fit and healthy. And Sharks, no doubt, going to be ready to go in round seven. Now, before I get into the games, as I'll usually do, if there's anything to talk about, uh, news and views. What's in the news? Um, now, I don't get into everything because there's a lot of news that comes out to have to sift through. And it's like, uh, especially judiciary news and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, I, I don't have the energy to talk about that shit or suspensions or things like that. Uh, one kind of noteworthy piece of news coming out of the weekend was the Bradman Best no try uh, against the Manly Seagulls. But I've already spoken in depth about that on the weekend rap podcast which is already out, uh, which was basically where I went through everything that happened in round five. But today is about round six. And before we get into it, uh, let's jump in to the news and views. Only two pieces today, uh, not going to take very long at all. Now, the first piece of news, a clean out in Canberra could be on the cards. Um, now, we're talking about some very loyal servants who've given a lot to the Raiders. So it is an unfortunate situation, but it does seem like the time is right. So there's talk, Jared Croker, this will be his last year. He's also been named to play this weekend, uh, which is fantastic to see. Jordan Rapiner, another name that was mentioned. Other than that, they haven't really you know, mentioned too many names. Uh, maybe Corey Haruera Naira, who's been dropped back to the bench this week. Not too sure, but that's some big news. Croker... I mean, a legend of the Raiders club. And Jordan Rapana, very much the same. So it is bittersweet. But at the same time, Raiders are humming uh, in the SG ball. So they've got a great crop of juniors. Got a really good young fullback, uh, Chevy Stewart, who's come up to New South Wales Cup level. Um, they've also got Ricky Stewart's son at New South Wales Cup level, who's played rugby sevens for Australia, Jed Stewart. Um, and they've got a wealth of really good young talent, all the way from SG ball through to reserve grade. Uh, so it seems like Raiders going to make some moves. Now, there's talk that there's no one quality to bring in in terms of experienced players. Uh, but maybe that's just a price you're going to have to pay. I think it'll free up tons of money on the salary cap. Uh, but the big question as well, is Jack Whiten going to stay? I think the more time goes on, the more I think that he's going to go. I don't think it'll be the worst possible thing for the Raiders. Maybe that gives them the money they need. And instead of getting one like marquee player, maybe they can get two or three experienced heads to come in and really just help usher through this really promising young junior base. Uh, so for the Raiders, a clean out could be on the cards. Uh, the news only just broke today. So it's a wait and see. I'll talk a bit more about it uh, once we get more information. I tell you what, Ricky Stewart, he would have been fuming, especially after Jamin Salmon scored uh, last weekend. And I reckon he's gone home and fucking busted out the overhead projector. It's time for the sequel, I think. And yeah, that, it could be brutal. So a clean out on the cards. Seems like Ricky Stewart, not part of that clean out. Like, I think they're going to keep him on as coach and try to bring through these young kids. Uh, but it's safe to say Raiders have been awful to start the season. Now, the only other piece of news 
that I had um, was that supposedly Parramatta Eels centre Wunga Blake, uh, who there's been a lot of talk, he's probably not going to be at the Eels next year. Uh, supposedly, he and his management have reached out to Rugby Australia. So there you go. I mean, it's not... Oh, sorry, Supercoach. Need to silence my phone. Sorry, Supercoach. I know the team lists are in. I'm fucking... I'm right here. Uh, but yeah, Wunga Blake has contacted Rugby Australia. Now, this isn't anywhere near like a Joseph Swali'i or even Nelson Asofa Solomona meeting with the Wallabies. This is not really a Cameron Murray. Like, it's not a huge name that the game is losing. And I think it's pretty smart from Wunga Blake. I reckon he could do a job. And I believe he played his junior footy in Perth. Like, one of the rare... Perth Juniors. So maybe, just maybe, we see Wunga Blake go over to the Western Force next year, uh, which I wouldn't mind. And he's a very talented player when it comes to rugby league, so I'm sure there will be clubs looking to sign Wunga, uh, but I don't think it hurts as well when your future's uncertain to be making some moves, reaching out to Rugby Australia. Uh, so it wasn't Eddie Jones or Rugby Australia looking to get Wunga Blake. He's more just offering his services. So we'll wait and see how all that goes. Um, and before I get into the games, last thing, I actually watched NRL 360 for the first time in ages. No hate as well, it definitely has a place. It has huge ratings as well, so, I mean, that's obviously for a reason. I'm just, I find that the agendas are very clear, and again, it happened last night. Now, it was good to see Buzz Rothfield. I do miss Buzz, and when I can, I like to tune in for Buzz, because I always, I just enjoy his style. Even when he has agendas, I'm like, ah, oh, it's, it's Buzz. Yeah, it's just Buzz doing Buzz things. Uh, but they were talking about uh, the Jamin Salmon incident, where he said, weak gutted dog, after he scored the try. And then, yeah, Paul Kent. The whole thing with Paul Kent being, like, great mates with Ricky Stewart, and then just, like... I don't know, like very clear agendas and not bad ones. Like Paul Kent wasn't doing anything uncouth or anything like that or fucking, you know, I, I don't think it was that big a deal, but it's like, come on. He was really reaching in terms of like defending Ricky and being like to Jamin Salmon, like you can either retaliate or you can be upset, but you can't do both. Uh, I was like, okay. I feel like if someone calls you a weak gutted dog, you're allowed to be a bit upset, and then you should definitely be allowed to retaliate. It's rugby league. Uh, but other than that, yeah, it was a decent episode of 360. Got to see Kevin Walters. So good uh, to see Kevin Walters doing well, especially after the preseason he had. Um, Broncos in general looking fantastic. So that was about all I took from 360 last night. Uh, no Braith and Nasta. He's gone to the Masters, so Dan Ganane stepping into the role. And I like Dan Ganane a lot, so I was like, yeah, I'll cop that. I'll sit down and uh, check this out. Uh, but that's what I did. Now it's time to check out this podcast, and specifically Round 6. So now there's nothing else to do but get amongst this weekend's games. So far, us footy fans have been treated to a delightful year full of close games, a lot of thrillers, and a lot of marquee matchups. Round 6 very much stays true to that theme, and we open up 
with a big one. This Thursday night, Amy Park in Melbourne. It is going to be the sixth placed Melbourne Storm. Back to winning ways, consecutive wins, and now Jerome Hughes back in the side, up against the third placed Roosters. No James Tedesco, but Joey Manu, the golden boot winner, steps into fullback. That is just an embarrassment of riches, isn't it? Uh, so Roosters third place. They are in the top four, which a lot of people feel that's where they're going to finish the season. Uh, but they're going to need to defend that position this weekend up against a Melbourne side who we still don't exactly know where they stand as far as premiership contention. Uh, so it's going to be a really big game. I'm still weighing up as someone who lives in Melbourne. Do I want to go to the game, watch it live, pay like $10 for a mid-strength beer? Or do I want to sit at home and watch it on the couch and get like a six-pack of beer and for about the price I'd get two beers at the stadium? But I don't know. I think the atmosphere is going to be unbelievable this weekend. And it's a big game in any season. But in 2023, where there is still so much unknown around the competition and where teams are more competitive than ever, this shapes as a crucial showdown between two of the competition's heavyweights. Now, checking out the Storm side, Storm are going to get Jerome Hughes back. That is a massive in. Uh, having Munster back as well has coincided with Storm's return to form. So now, having your first choice halves back, that is definitely a big deal. Although Jonah Pizzette did extremely well uh, when given opportunities. Now, the only other change we see is Tarek Sims replaces Grant Anderson, who's going to be 18th man. Uh, but last weekend, Tarek Sims named on the bench, and Grant Anderson ended up coming onto the bench, and Tarek Sims didn't play. But I did see over the weekend, Sims was named to play in the front row for the Brisbane Tigers in the Queensland Cup. And maybe just given that he's coming off injury, hasn't had really any game time leading into the season, maybe the Storm are just trying to get him match fit uh, maybe they don't have a ton of minutes for him at NRL level yet. So it's like, play some Q-Cup, get yourself up to speed. Uh, and now we see Tarek back in the Storm 17. For the Roosters, no James Tedesco. He's out for the 11-day uh, concussion stand down. And, I mean, was it going to be Joseph Swali'i or Joey Manu? Like, <laughs> that's heinous. If two expansion clubs, like we have the Dolphins... If next year we added two more sides and they're looking for like a marquee player, I mean, Roosters could literally provide a marquee fullback to two new sides or two existing sides in the competition, but they're hoarding three of them. Then they got Corey Allen on the bench as well. He's played fullback for the Queensland Maroons. So look, fullback doesn't seem to be a role where the Roosters are worried. Uh, Joseph Swali'i off to Rugby Union. Breaking news, I'm sure you haven't heard that, uh, but yeah, that's more going back to saying another team in this competition could use him. Uh, well, Eddie Jones was like, I can fucking use him as well. Uh, so not too many changes. Joey Manu back in the side, playing fullback, so the very different player to Tedesco, but I also don't think they're going to lose a ton. I mean, Joey coming in fullback, I think is Manu's best position. So I'm really excited to see him in the number one jersey. Uh, what else we got? Bench, Terrell May comes in for Nafahu White. And those are the only changes. <clears throat> Excuse me, I need to clear my throat. 
sound like fucking, I don't know, Salmon Patty. Not really, but I could feel it coming on. Anyway, 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 anyway. Thursday night. Uh, it is a really big game. I think the Ford packs are going to be a key battle here. Uh, Tui Kamitha and Christian Welch. They're going to be up against it. Because in my opinion, Jared Waria Hargreaves, he is probably not in career best form, given that he's toward the back end of his career. Uh, but he's making such a huge contribution to the Roosters week in, week out. And when Jared leaves the field, Roosters tend to suffer a little bit. And um, when he's on field, he's the ultimate enforcer. Now, for Melbourne Storm, they've lost the Bromwich brothers, they've lost the Cheese, Brandon Smith, Felice Kafusi. Um, so their Ford pack has taken a hit. Now, Eli Katoa looks awesome, great signing. Trent Loyero has stood up early. Josh King is forming into a leader. And like I mentioned, Welch and Kamitha Mitha. Um, but definitely, Melbourne Storm have taken a big hit in the middle. And not just in terms of size, but also experience. So then when you look on the other side, and you've got Jared Waria Hargreaves, Lindsay Collins, an origin front rower, and you've also got former Melbourne Storm player, Brandon Smith, the aforementioned cheese. I said that in itself, definitely a narrative going into this game. And that's my key battle. Look, I think the front row, that's going to be what lays the platform and I am interested to see how Melbourne stand up to the pressure. Although, uh, like Roosters, Fletcher Baker and Terrell May, very decent players. Um, but Tom Eisenhuth, Alec McDonald, and Tarek Sims on the bench for Melbourne. I reckon the bench forwards may be stronger for Melbourne. Starting forwards, stronger for the Roosters. Uh, so as the rotation goes along, I think that's going to be a huge battle. Because whoever uh, out of the big forward packs can get themselves on the front foot and establish their intent, that's going to lay the platform for your Sam Walkers, your Cameron Munsters, your Joey Manus. So that's a big battle. Uh, but the key one, Harry Grant and Brandon Smith. The two players Melbourne essentially had to choose between uh, to replace Cameron Smith and be their number nine going forward. So huge, huge shoes to fill. But then when you consider Harry Grant, an Australian international, a Queensland origin representative, Brandon Smith, a Kiwi international. So in terms of choice of who comes next after the greatest or one of the greatest of all time in Cameron Smith, I mean, two very good choices. But Storm, they've gone with Harry Grant. I think that's the right decision. Um, but Brandon Smith, he wants to play number nine. And I also felt like Brandon Smith Clearly his best position is dummy half. So something had to give. Roosters are the beneficiaries of that. And now Brandon, up against his former team, going to be looking uh, to really make a statement. So the Fords, that's definitely going to be a battle. Uh, Joey Manu, he's got some of that X factor and flair. And I, I really think Roosters are a good chance here. I like Manu at fullback a lot. Now, if they'd gone with Swali'i, I'm also a fan of that. The kid is a gun. But in terms of levels to the game, I just feel like at this present moment, when it comes to the fullback role, Joey Manu. I reckon at any other NRL club, I mean, look, like Panthers would keep Dylan Edwards and things like that. But at pretty much every NRL club, Joey Manu would be the first choice fullback. So I'm really excited to see him in action here. On the flip side of that, 
Storm, we don't know when they're going to get their X-Factor fullback in Ryan Pappenhausen, um, but Nick Meany performing very well to start the season. I also mentioned in the preview last weekend, I kind of gave a bit of criticism of Drew Hutchison in the centres. He scored the first try. Uh, Yeah, I'm happy to abandon that criticism. Trent Robinson called him the next or the current Mitchell Orbison. So, I mean, that's a huge rap. Mitchell Orbison, an absolute legend of the club that could just fill in anywhere and get the job done. So once Trent Robinson said that, I was like, well, you know more than I do, brother. I'll back it in. So we see Drew. He's still named in the centres here. Um, It's going to be an interesting head-to-head matchup too, one-on-one with Justin Olam. So it's going to be a really fun matchup Thursday night. I'm expecting it to be a close one. And I've been very back and forth um, as far as my prediction. I really can't tell because I like Melbourne at home, but I liked Melbourne at home against the Bulldogs and they got their pants pulled down. So is Amy Park still the fortress that it always has been? And at the same time, if there's any team strong enough to just not care about a fortress or coming down and playing at one of the toughest venues in Australia, it's going to be the Roosters. They're going to have full confidence in their abilities. So in a very, very tight game, I still honestly have no idea which way I'm going to go, but I'm just going to have to lock one in. Because on one side, like Joey Manu at fullback for the Roosters, I like it a lot. I'm going to go the Storm though. I'm going to lock in the Storm uh, before I change my mind. Why? Mainly the home ground advantage in a close one like this. Uh, But also, Cameron Munster has been exceptional since returning to the field. I think Jerome Hughes coming back, that also swings me in favour of Melbourne. Uh, And with Jerome Hughes back, I also think we're going to see a big game from Eli Katoa, who's going to be playing outside of him. And all week, whilst looking at, you know, what are my punts going to be this weekend? How am I going to... If I can drain my finances this weekend, uh, all week, if he can get through the game uninjured, I've been feeling an Xavier Coates anytime try scorer. So that also sways me in favor of the Storm. And because I just am so split on this, I'm going to put that call out there and move on because it's a really hard game to pick. And that's what you want, isn't it? One, that gives us good odds if we're punting. And two, I don't want it to be Broncos versus Tigers every weekend. Like, the funnest part is when you can't tell who's going to win. Lots of questions heading into Amy Park this Thursday, and I'm excited to get some answers. Going to take the Melbourne Storm over the Roosters. Low confidence levels, but we're locking it in, and we are now moving on to the Friday action. Next up, Good Friday. More like Great Friday. 8th place Bulldogs, 13th placed Rabbitohs, two passionate supporter bases, and two clubs that just simply do not like each other. This should be called the Great Friday game. A core stadium in Sydney. Who would have thunk? Bulldogs, the team sitting in the 8th. Rabbitohs sitting 13th. Although, alarm bells definitely not ringing yet. Now, Rabbitohs coming off a very disappointing loss. Against the Melbourne Storm, disappointing for them, disappointing for me as the last leg of a multi, uh, but who cares? Who cares? No one. Uh, As for the Bulldogs, 
They beat the Cowboys. A Matt Burton field goal in extra time, or golden point rather, gets it done. And that's these Bulldogs sitting in the eight, which is exactly where they want to be. Uh, so this is a big, big game taking place at 4 p.m. as well. So usually the first game's like 6 p.m. I like an afternoon game on a Friday. It's a public holiday too, so it's always a big crowd. We've seen some big moments in these games too in recent years. Was this the fixture where Lachlan Lewis uh, like tackled Cody Walker? Or was that a different regular season game? Regardless, that was enjoyable. Uh, I remember James Graham a few years ago getting in trouble for spraying a ref. These games usually, you know, they got a bit of something to it. So I'm really excited for this one to get us started on Friday. As far as team changes, quite a few for the Bulldogs. Uh, so this Bulldogs outfit are now going to have to rely on some, I want to say no-namers, but more respectful term, maybe just not household names. Some young, some unproven kids who do have a lot of talent. So now Bulldogs, they're kind of having to lean on the next man up. Uh, with Raymond Fartel and Mariner, he's out. Was out very early with a head knock in the last game. Franklin Pele, uh, he's been such a good signing for the Dogs. Runs so hard. Uh, he's out with a broken arm. Jaden Ockenbohr, who's been filling in in the middle. He's suspended. Uh, but we do see Max King and Jacob Preston named. Max King, I heard, maybe on Phil Gould's podcast or something else. Might have been somewhere else that... I just heard Max King has a ruptured something. And he's still playing. So I didn't look into it because I couldn't be asked. Uh, but each week, I'm just like, man, what a tough hombre. So now, not only is he dealing with some kind of rupture, uh, but Max King, that eye injury was gruesome. As someone who also does UFC podcast, spends hours a week watching footage of fights, I've seen a lot of eye pokes. Uh, and in terms of like the end result, that one looked as bad as any I've seen. So Max King in the wars, but he's going to be playing, as is Jacob Preston, fresh off a double. And isn't this a young guy that going into the season, none, no one really knew who he was. Now, everyone is very aware of who Jacob Preston is, being talked up as a future leader of this club. Now, as far as the new faces coming into the Bulldogs side, Harrison Edwards has been named at lock. I like this. He's actually been performing very, very well in New South Wales Cup. Uh, so he's truly earned the call-up through good form in the lower grades, which I always love to see. Jackson Topene, uh, a young kid as well. A lot of raps on him at the Bulldogs. Hasn't been able to get consistent time in first grade. Uh, this is a great opportunity for him to state his case. Uh, and Jaden Tanner, who we've seen a little bit of, uh, he's on the bench. So no Viliami Kikau who was ruled out with a head knock before last uh, before the game last weekend. So a very different looking Bulldogs team, especially when it comes to the Ford pack. As for the Rabbitohs, we saw Alex Johnson pick up a head knock, or Alex Johnston, my apologies. So Tane Milne comes back in. Uh, let's see if he can get through this one without being sin-binned. Uh, but he's a big in, Tane Milne, definitely a quality player. And Tevita Totola. He's back, so that's a huge addition for the Rabbitohs. Saluka so Fafita drops to the bench, and Michael Cheekham has been dropped to 18th man duties. So he got a few few cracks 
at establishing himself in the starting side did Cheekham, but hasn't been able to nail down that position. So a few changes, more so for the Bulldogs, which definitely, um, I mean, it makes it a definite Rabbitohs favourite in terms of the betting market. But I actually like the Bulldogs here. Souths have come out very slow out of the gates, and it's going to take them some time to get going. Like a lot of criticism around Latrell Mitchell, uh, but I reckon 8 to 10 weeks into this competition, we'll start to see him really take off. I'm not that concerned about Latrell, uh, although, yeah, a lot of criticism around his work rate and his involvement so far through the early part of the season. Uh, but yeah, the Bulldogs, good young side. Some really good players like Alamotti, Kiraz, uh, Preston that they can build the Dogs' future around. And they're starting to nail down their key positions. Reed Marnie absolutely owning the number nine jersey and providing fantastic leadership. Matt Burton, I mean, if there's one guy the Bulldogs are building this whole team around, it's Matt Burton. He's an absolute superstar. Alongside him in the halves, you have Kyle Flanagan, another player who's no stranger to criticism, uh, but I thought he performed really well in the game against the Cowboys. And Hayes Perham, a former warrior, a former eel, um, he's been given the keys to the fullback role. And there's still improvement in his game, no doubt, but so far... Bulldogs, they're doing what you want to see from them. They're just moving uh, forward in a good direction, you know, towards success. So they've got Stephen Crichton to come as well. You'd have to assume he'll step into the fullback role. And this is a big test for the Bulldogs to beat one of the competition favourites in the Rabbitohs. Now, dogs sit higher than the Rabbitohs on the ladder. But given the competitive nature of the 2023 season, one or two losses or one or two wins can make a heap of difference. So for the Dogs, if they are to win this, not only do they establish their footing in the top eight, but they're also, you know, giving a setback to one of the main teams that are likely to displace them in the series or in the series, what, cunt? Uh, in the race for the top eight. Uh, so Dogs, not at full strength. Rabbitohs, Look, after having some injury troubles early in the season, they're looking closer to full strength. Tavita Totola, a huge in for the Rabbitohs. But I just thought Souths were really, really flat against the Storm. And that could be expected given the amount of emotion uh, and physical exertion they had to give uh, after John Sattler's passing and, of course, going into Golden Point against the Seagulls. So... I mean, it was kind of to be expected, but I was not impressed. They looked very flat. They didn't seem to have the answers. Now, over time, Jason Demetrio, he's the right guy in charge. They're going to find those answers, but quite sluggish out of the gates. And they can't afford to have that same energy up against an enthusiastic young bulldog side who are going to be looking to prove themselves. Of course, as well, when there's a rivalry like there is between these two clubs, you can expect a very physical, a very feisty, and a highly entertaining game. My key battle in this one, I've gone to number sixes. I think Matt Burton up against Cody Walker. Burton, definitely the live wire, that electricity for the Bulldogs that can get them on the front foot and win them games. Very much the same for Cody Walker. 
Although we have seen many a time that with Cody, if you can get under his skin and kind of rattle him, South, their form suffers for it throughout games. So Cody Walker, if he's on here, he's capable of embarrassing the Bulldogs, especially given the outs through the Ford pack. Cody Walker, very crafty operator and the kind of guy who can just slice right through a defensive line and score a try himself. He can do a kick, set up a try. He's got a great passing game. So in terms of offense, the key for the Rabbitohs is Cody Walker. And likewise for the Bulldogs, Matt Burton, he's the key. So I'm very keen for this game. Souths, look, if I want to go Souths here because, yeah, just the experience discrepancy, getting to Tola back whilst dogs have some outs. But I actually told myself last weekend, after the Rabbitohs disappointed me against the Storm, I started to think, maybe I'm going to go the dogs. Maybe I'm going to go the dogs in the Good Friday game. And then I said, I'm going to put the dogs to the test because they were originally going to be in my Sunday multi. But I was like, you know what? I'm just not going to risk it. But if they win here, then theoretically, that would have been a green tick. And Bulldogs would have got it done for me. It was a bit of a long-winded explanation, but Bulldogs did get it done. They beat the Cowboys. Far from convincing, and they've lost players since. But I said, I was like, if dogs beat the Cowboys, I think I'm going to go for that underdog value on the Good Friday game. And that's exactly what I'm going to do. Another one that I'm picking with very low confidence, um, but I'm getting on board the Bulldogs bandwagon. Not fully, though. I'm a Warriors fan, so fucking, like, you know, I'm off on my own, on my own ship right now. But I'm excited for the Bulldogs. And I'm really excited to see some of these young guys like Topane and Harrison Edwards uh, have a good crack against one of the best teams in the competition. Now, this is one where I could definitely end up getting embarrassed. But let's lock it in. Always love to go an underdog. especially good when I need to make up some ground in the tipping competition. Uh, so I'm going to go the Bulldogs here over the Rabbitohs. Good Friday. It's going to be a great Friday. And maybe we even see a fight. Very rare in the NRL, but given the physical nature of these contests, I wouldn't mind something beyond just your typical jersey grabbing. Lachlan Lewis had the right idea when he tackled Cody Walker. Something like that. But uh, as far as the game, let's lock it in. Bulldogs over the Rabbitohs. Now, let's set our sights on a Queensland derby. Friday night is going to be a good one. 8pm, Townsville, the 14th placed Cowboys. The 14th placed Cowboys, not the start that this young side was after, given that they had their hearts broken one game away from last year's decider. The 14th placed Cowboys need to get going, and they're going to be welcoming their newest rival, the 7th placed Dolphins. A fantastic start, but now back-to-back losses and some injuries has Dolphins on the back foot. Going to be an interesting game. You'd have to expect a big bounce back from the Cowboys. They've got a significant in in the fullback position as well. But I think if we've learned one thing this year, it's not to count out this Dolphins side under Wayne Bennett. Uh, Just checking out the team lists quickly. Huge in for the Cowboys. Scott Drinkwater is back. And as far as my point of difference in this game, 
Uh, I'm going with the spine. Now for the Dolphins, I'll get to their team changes in a moment. But no Milford, no Sean O'Sullivan. They've already taken a massive hit to the halves. And they're up to their fourth string half. So Cody Nicarima steps in. Pretty good experienced guy to have in that role. But as far as a point of difference in this game, uh, Cowboys having their full strength spine makes a huge difference. I mean, Scott Drinkwater is definitely one of those players, especially in a game like the Bulldogs game where they lost last weekend. Scott Drinkwater could have been the difference between a win and a loss there. So he's a massive in in the halves. Chad Townsend and Tom Dearden, they work so well together up against a halves pairing that have not played a game together, um, starting in the halves at least. It's going to be a tough challenge for the Dolphins. Then for the Cowboys as well, you have Reese Robson, um, who's really starting to live up to the high potential he had as a youngster and still very much in the frame for a New South Wales call-up this year. Now, going back to the team changes, Drinkwater, him coming back into the side, sees Tom Chester join the bench. Uh, now, what I find interesting here is that there are only two forwards on the bench. Uh, you've got Riley Price coming off his debut last weekend and Jermaine Taunoa-Brown. Uh, Tom Chester, who a lot of people felt deserved a spot on the bench, he's in the number 15, and they're sticking with Jake Granville. Uh, so it looks like they're going to try and get some big minutes out of guys like Taumalolo this weekend. Uh, what other changes do we have? Ruben Cotter, he's back. That's definitely a big in. And Griffin Neem moves into the second row. Uh, which I found interesting. Been playing in the front row, but now playing in the back row. There you go. So Reuben Cotter, Scott Drinkwater, those are two huge ins for the Cowboys. Whereas for the Dolphins, well, they're, they're facing some huge outs. Milford going down early last weekend. So Cody Nicarima is going to play 5-8 with Isaiah Katoa in the halfback jersey. And Edric Lee makes his Dolphins debut. Uh, was injured in the preseason, but... He's going to come in for Jack Bostock, who's still a very promising young player, uh, but still got some development in his game. Got ran over the top of by Michaeli Ravalawa. So Coach Wayne Bennett going to opt for the experienced option here in Edric Lee. We see Kurt Donahue joins the bench as well. Uh, that makes sense given Cody Nicarima's move into the starting side. And in my opinion, Kurt Donahue's the next man up if there's another injury in the halves. So good to get him some more NRL experience. Um, and with that, we see Mason Teague drop to the extended reserves. Still no Felice Kafusi either. So Dolphins really up against it here, in my opinion. Uh, now, when I look at the Ford packs, like Connolly Lemuelu has been in fantastic form. The Bromwich brothers, you always know what you're going to get from them. Tom Gilbert, like they've got a solid Ford pack. Jared Wallace, Mark Nichols, Ray Stone. A lot of experience coming off the pine. Um, but then with the Cowboys, I mean, they've just got that X factor, don't they? In Ruben Cotter, Jason Talmalolo, and we've even seen Mitchell Dunn. Uh, he started in the front row last weekend. Very handy ball player. Uh, quite well suited to the modern game, but has had a lot of time out through injury. Previously, a back rower as well. So still quite untested in the middle. So the battle of the Ford packs will be really interesting. Uh, Hamaso Tabuifido as well, up against his old club, going head-to-head -head 
with Scott Drinkwater. It should be a good game, but yeah, I think Dolphins are up against it here. I'm going Cowboys for the bounce back. Like I said, massive point of difference is that they have the full complement of their spine. And whilst only two Fords on the bench, it does make me wonder um, whether Dolphins can really, you know, get an edge in the game, having such experienced Fords on the bench. Uh, but ultimately, yeah, I just think the point of difference is the fact that no Sean O'Sullivan for the Dolphins, to a lesser extent, no Milford, and Nikarima and Isaiah Katoa a good halves pairing. But in my opinion, Dearden and Townsend are a great halves pairing. Throw in Drinkwater, who they've been sorely missing, uh, and then Reese Robson as well. I just think with such a classy spine on the back of Fords like Cotter and Taumalolo, I think Cowboys are just going to prove too strong here. Happy to be wrong, uh, but this is a tip that I have a bit more confidence in uh, than the previous two. I eyed this one off uh, from last weekend, and I was like, yeah, I think I'm going to go Cowboys there. They're due for a bounce back, um, and they certainly don't look as strong as they did last year, but it's a long season ahead. So I think Cowboys, they're going to be very serious about making a run for the Premiership this year, and they sit 14th. So it's time to get going. Yes, there's still 20-plus weeks of the competition to go, but when you have Origin, which is going to see the likes of Cotter and Jeremiah Nanai uh, without, or the Cowboys without them. Goodness gracious, almost had a fucking seizure trying to put that sentence together. Um, but yeah, Origin series definitely going to play a role in the Cowboys season. Uh, throwing the fact that guys like Cotter and Nanai are also coming off World Cup campaigns. And it's a long season. They're going to have to really deal with some fatigue in the legs at stages. So you can't afford to have too slow a start because there are still many challenges that lay ahead. So for Cowboys, it just seems logical that they're going to have a bounce back here in Townsville. If the Dolphins were at full strength, I'd take them a lot more seriously. But I just, like I said, it's a long season and many challenges. Dolphins, they're starting to run into a few challenges. And I'm not very critical, like even if they get belted here, it's their first year in the competition, and they're clearly building something very special. Um, but going on a week-to-week -week basis, this is a week where I think the challenges are just going to prove a bit too much to overcome, and they're going to miss that direction and leadership of Sean O'Sullivan in the halves. So in the Friday night game, 4x derby, I'm going to take the North Queensland Cowboys. I think they get it done. I really, really expect a response here. And if we don't see a response, well, then that's definitely going to become a talking point. And as always, the talking points discussed on the weekend rap podcast, that'll be out on Sunday or Monday. Like right after the games, I'll sit down and record my thoughts. So today's preview, all about asking some questions. Weekend rap, essentially all about getting some answers. And as always, as well, over on our Instagram, at not just a sports report. Each week, as soon as the games are finished, we post our performance highlights. Uh, that includes player of the round, which in round five was Reese Walsh, team of the round, rising star, and a bunch of other stuff as well. So plenty of content over on our Instagram, at not just a sports report, taking the Cowboys 
to get it done over the Dolphins. Now let's get super with the Saturday games. Now I did say it was super Saturday, uh, but once again, a not so super Saturday. Only two games, but that can be forgiven because we are getting a Monday game. So look, an extra day of footy, I'll just have to fucking, I don't know, do something fucking decent with my day. I don't know, go out for breakfast. I don't know. I'm used to, you know, wake up, watch the New South Wales Cup, get straight into it early afternoon. So yeah, I'll have to work out something else to do. But then 5.30 Saturday, I know exactly where I'll be. I'll be sitting my ass on the couch. Fifth place, Penrith Panthers. Coming off a performance where they absolutely embarrassed the Raiders. Panthers starting to click as we thought they would up against the fourth place Seagulls, who certainly didn't play like a top four side in the draw against the Knights. Very disappointing uh, all around performance from the Seagulls in that one. Now checking the teams, James Fisher-Harris is out, which is definitely a massive omission for Penrith. Uh, we saw him go down early in the game last weekend. Although I thought Lindsay Smith and Moses Leota really stood up in his absence. So I expect them to do the same again. Uh, that sees Matt Eisenhuth come into the side. He's going to start as well. So we didn't see him in the side last weekend. And they're going to opt with the experience of Matt Eisenhuth. We also see Sonny Luke back on deck. Uh, he was concussed. So Tyron Peachy played the number 14 role last weekend. Uh, but now Sonny Luke back into the fray. He's a massive point of difference whenever he's named for the Panthers. Huge in for the Seagulls as well. Jason Saab is going to come into the side. Uh, had a bad injury. I honestly thought it was going to take a little bit longer before he came back to the NRL scene. Uh, but here he is. So good on Jason Saab. Very, very quality in for the Seagulls. I think when fit, Saab's the first choice winger anyway. Although Christian Tuipilotu did a fantastic job. Uh, he's out with a knee injury though. Josh Schuster is back after being a late withdrawal. So Cooper Johns back to the reserves. Uh, and we see Carl Lawton come onto the bench given that Ben Trebojevic suffered a hamstring injury. I know it's Ben, but I don't want to hear the words Trebojevic and hamstring in a sentence together. Just makes me feel uneasy. Uh, so a few changes for the Seagulls. Panthers pretty much full strength, although no James Fisher-Harris is definitely a big out. Um, personally, Seagulls just, I mean, we all thought they were going to whack the Knights. Now, Newcastle, to their credit, are doing very well. They're showing a lot of heart. They're sticking in games that really they shouldn't even be in. Um, so on the Knights side, I've been very impressed. Seagulls up to that point, I'd been very impressed by. But yeah, I just think maybe they got one step ahead of themselves and thought the Knights were going to be a bit, a bit of an easier game than it actually was. They're going to be stinging though, are the Seagulls. There is no doubt about that coming off a draw. In my opinion, it should have been a loss after the Bradman best try, but it is what it is, mate. Um, Haumali Olikawatu. He is in rampaging form. Definitely in discussion for the New South Wales Blues. And when you look across Manly's side, there are a lot of indications that this is a team that can really take it to the Panthers. I mean, Tom Trebojevic at fullback, Cherry Evans and Schuster in the halves. 
that can produce a lot of points. Ruben Garrick in fantastic form as well. But I, this is something I've just stopped talking about after they beat the Storm last year. Uh, but on the podcast last year, probably my biggest talking point around Manly was the flat track bullies tag. And to be honest, I don't think they've really beaten any top teams. They beat the Storm, and so I was like, all right, they've done it. They beat a top eight side. I'm going to put that to rest. But in saying that, I mean, we all remember the Storm faced a pretty bad drop-off toward the back end of last year through injuries and things like that. So, yeah, Seagulls, are they still flat-track bullies? Maybe. And at the very least, even if they're not, if they can beat a top eight team, that's good. But it's one thing beating a top eight team. It's a whole nother kettle of fish to beat the back-to-back premiers. So huge test for the Seagulls. I definitely think they're in contention for like top four. But in saying that, the only way you're going to get into the top four is by beating the best sides in the competition. So this is the first true assignment for Manly this year. And I'm going to take a lot from the result of this one. And not just the result, but also the performance in general from the Seagulls. As far as the Panthers... We pretty much know what we're going to get. Now, a shaky start to the season started at the World Club Challenge. Um, Then the loss to the Broncos, although that hasn't aged too badly. And didn't they also lose? Yeah, they lost to the Eels as well. But now it seems like Panthers, they're starting to get those new combinations. Any team that loses an Api Korosau or a Viliami Kikau is going to take some time to really rebound from that. Uh, but I thought in saying that, Scott Sorensen was excellent in the back row last weekend, as was Zach Hosking, who, in my opinion, Hosking's going to push Luke Garner for that second row spot uh, once Liam Martin gets back. So going into this one, there are some crucial keys. Mitch Kenny, he's another one that we're still waiting to see uh, how that all goes. But I'm a huge fan of Mitch Kenny. I thought he really stood up and delivered last weekend with no Sonny Luke. Uh, but now that Sonny Luke's back, I think that's a real danger sign for the Seagulls. Now, I see this being a tough game, and that's where Mitch Kenny's good, because he can really take the brunt out of it. But I think once fatigue sets in, Sonny Luke, I expect him to really cause the Seagulls some issues here. Now, when I spoke about the Rabbitohs earlier, and how I said... After that golden point game against Manly, they came out against Melbourne very flat. Well, Manly, they came off that game and they were really good at the start up against the Knights, but they ended up losing in golden point. Now, Rabbitohs, they were flat after one taxing game that went to golden point. The Seagulls have just had back-to-back games that have been extremely taxing. Now, in their favour... They did have a very early bye this season to help freshen up. But I do wonder, are the Seagulls going to be a little bit flat to start this game? And if they are, that bodes very well for Penrith. Now, even if they aren't and they hang in there, at some stage, fatigue has to set in. And I'm calling it, I do reckon, Sonny Luke is going to prove a huge difference here. And in the end, I am waiting to see on Manly. I'm still very hyped about their chances this year, but they don't have any notable wins over big sides. Not that I can remember off the top of my head. So, 
what I would like to see from Manly before I can confidently tip them is for them to win a game like this, to beat the Panthers. I mean, if Manly beat Penrith, all talk of flat track bullies is completely out the window. So I'm going to wait and see as far as where I'm at with Manly. Still very much positive, uh, but when it comes to a game like the Panthers, you have to be real fucking good for me to go against the Panthers. And I think that's kind of the way things have been for the last few years. Seagulls can definitely be that good, but it's a wait and see. And considering that I'm waiting and seeing, but I have to make a tip now, I'm going to lock in the safer bet of the back-to-back premiers. Uh, I loved what I saw against the Raiders last weekend. And just in general, I mean, Panthers were my preseason pick to win the premiership. So despite the slower start than we're used to seeing from this side, uh, ultimately, these guys still deserve to be spoken of as the competition favourites. Now, Brisbane. Brisbane might have something to say about that. Who would have thunk it? Uh, but, yeah, I still have Panthers as the guys to beat. I think everyone has the Panthers as the team to beat, especially when they're walking around, you know, saying that they're the Parramatta's daddies and shit. Like, that really puts you up there as the team to beat. That was actually, I said at the start of the podcast, I watched a bit of 360. Uh, I have Paul Kent as well, still on his agenda of like, the Panthers lack so much class. In my opinion, uh, which look, the ratings for not just a sports report significantly lower than 360. So, you know, what do I know? But at the same time, like, fuck, the competition would be so boring if everyone you know, played the way Paul Kent wants to play with all this class and shit. Like, I love shit talk. I love shit talk. I love the Panthers coming out and saying stuff like, we're Parramatta's daddies. Like, one, it's silly. Two, like, when someone beats them, it's going to mean even more. And it just adds colour. It adds flavour to this competition. And they're footy players. Like, for fuck's sake. Like, seriously? Rugby league players, now we want them to be, like, the classiest guys in society? Please. Please. Panthers, as well, have a ton of class. On field and off. Yeah, like, the wedding speech from Luai. Like, there are definitely some moments that are a bit how's it going. But, like, it's really play on. It's 100% play on. And Panthers are a classy organisation. And when it comes to their footy, I mean, there is no team that is classier than the Panthers. And I I just think they're going to be too good for Seagulls here. So let's lock it in. Penrith over the Manly Seagulls. Now let's get amongst the Saturday night game. Okay, Saturday night. That's an easy one. First place Broncos against the 16th placed Raiders. I will preview the game. This is a preview podcast. Oh, but here's my prediction. Sorry, I got a fucking squeaky chair, don't I? This bloody chair. This fucking chair. Anyway. Yeah, I'm going the Broncos. 100% over the Raiders. That is a no-brainer. I've seen enough from Canberra. Their attack is crap. Only way Canberra are going to win this game is if they defend their asses off. Because I don't reckon Canberra have more than three tries in them. Like, I felt that way against the Panthers. And Broncos... Shut the gates. Broncos have so much to offer in attack. Reese Walsh 
Ezra Mam, Adam Reynolds. Think about the strike centers, Farnworth, Stags. You've got Cobbo on the wing, Payne Haas in career best form with his best years ahead of him. Jordan Rickey coming off a double. Kurt Capewell, absolute gun back rower. Patrick Carrigan, one of the best players in our game. Yeah, Raiders have some great players, but they're just not putting it together at all. At all. And as always, if you've listened to the podcast before, you know that Raiders are my second team. They're the family side of the team, although I am a Warriors fan. Always growing up watching Raiders games, so I've watched them very closely and I've seen enough. The preseason was shit, like the games in the preseason, whatever, that's preseason. Then they come out and let Cowboys race out to an early lead. Yeah, they peg it back, but they still lose. Then they lose to the Dolphins. They beat the Sharks, but then they get absolutely rolled by the Panthers. And before that, they lose to the Knights as well. I've seen enough from the Raiders right now. I really have. I'm not not impressed at all. Jared Croker's back. Huge in. Really, really happy to see Jared Croker uh, back in the side. And that's definitely one of the talking points Raiders-wise going into this game. Uh, I'm also excited to see Brad Schneider, who's going to be playing in the halves alongside Jamal Fogarty. Uh, but other than that, that's about where my excitement stops. Awesome Ford pack. Uh, some really good promising players as well. As far as the long-term future, I'm still very optimistic about the Raiders. But as far as 2023, I honestly, I think I've seen enough. I don't think they're going to do what they did last year and get on a run toward the back end because they got a lot to fix. They got a lot to fix and they offer nothing in attack. They really don't. Like I said, I watched their games closely and it's been very disappointing in terms of their attack. Defense, not much better either. Their second halves in the last couple of weeks, they've got absolutely rolled. Now, they're coming up against the Broncos, who, by each passing week, it becomes very real that this could be a premiership outfit in 2023. All the players I just mentioned. I mean, Reese Walsh could be in line for the Delium medal if he keeps his form up. The only thing that might stop that is the fact that he's going to have to share points with Payne Haas, who's killing it, Patrick Carrigan, Adam Reynolds. There is a lot to like about the Broncos this year. I could talk about them for hours, but I'll save most of the Broncos chat for after this game, because if they go 6-0, I mean, there's going to be a lot to talk about as far as the rest of this season. Um, but this isn't the same Broncos side as last year. And whilst Canberra, they're going to be fired up, no doubt. And look, they could put up a really good fight here. But ultimately, it's a different Broncos side. They've got a different mindset. We saw that last weekend against a Tigers side that previously has been a bit of a banana peel game for them. And look, they showed up, they got the job done, and then some. Now, at Suncorp Stadium, you think about the vibe in Brisbane right now. Broncos killing it. Everyone in Brisbane so pumped about their team. Then you also have the Dolphins, who look, not the best last couple of weeks, but the start to the season. Rugby League is thriving in Brisbane. Suncorp Stadium is going to be packed. 
the atmosphere is going to be on point and that is going to drive the Broncos. Broncos have a ton of points in them as well. I look at their centers especially and I'm just like, oh, these are two guys who could absolutely carve the Raiders up. I, Broncos have a lot of points in them, that's for sure. And Raiders don't. So Raiders, their key to winning here is just defend your asses off. They need to make this a close, tight, low-scoring game because that's their only chance. And look, I'm usually very optimistic about the Raiders. And in previous years, I could see many cases as to why the Raiders could cause a shock upset. But I just think the combination of where Brisbane are at in terms of their maturity as a football side and then when Can- or where Canberra are at, I spoke at the start of the podcast, potential clean-out incoming. They're not in a great spot as a club. They're not in a great spot on the ladder, sitting 16th. And whilst they have some very, very bright talents for the future, that's the future. This is 2023. And like I said, I think I have seen enough. I think Broncos win. I think they win well. If Raiders win, I'll be stoked. So put it that way, I can't really lose here because I'll be so happy if the Raiders show up. But I've seen enough. And I've also seen plenty from the Broncos. And this is an easy one, which is good because some of these games are pretty tricky to pick this weekend. So it's nice to just see one and go, yep, done. So let's make it as simple as that, shall we? Broncos over the Raiders. Hopefully, given my love for the Raiders, they don't get towed up. But that's definitely... Not out of the question. This one could get ugly. Hopefully it doesn't. Brisbane Broncos over the Raiders. Now let's get into the Sunday action. Sunday's a bit of a wacky one. We're seeing two games that we've already seen this year, which I find interesting to turn two fixtures around within the first six weeks. These sides play each other twice, but... Whatever, that's about as far as I'm going to nitpick. Still a fucking great round of footy ahead. And on Sunday afternoon, we kick things off. Seabus Super Stadium on the Gold Coast. The ninth placed Gold Coast Titans. Looking to make moves towards the final series this year. Up against the 10th placed Dragons. Look very patchy this year. They've looked awesome at points. Including when they thrashed the Titans at the start of the year. But they've also had... Some poor showings. They've got a coach under a mountain of pressure. So this is going to be a very interesting game. I saw during the week, uh, Dragons, one of the players came out and said, we want to aim for the top four this year. And I was like, bro, it's fucking like April 2nd. It's definitely not April Fool's anymore. Don't be rolling that shit out. But the season's young. It's not out of the question. And the Dragons, there's a lot to like. And if they can put things together... They can absolutely be a finals team. Top four is a bit too much for mine, uh, but it's a big game. Whoever wins this can start to get a bit excited about starting to make a run of significance. Whilst whoever loses this drifts back to the pack. And when you think about who's below these sides, like the Eels, the Rabbitohs, and a few other sides, I mean, there's definitely potential for these sides to continue to drop. So an important game, Titans hosting the Dragons. Last time they met, Dragons, far too good for the Gold Coast. Now, a couple of changes in this one. Uh, Now, we saw in Titans' loss against the Cowboys, uh, Brimson, um, and who was the fullback? Bloody hell, my memory 
is genuinely just shocking. Oh, Brimson was the fullback. Karen Foran was the 5'8". That's right. Goodness gracious. Does an NRL podcast and fucking makes a mix up like that. Anyway, Jaden Campbell's in to play fullback. Toby Sexton to play number six. So very inexperienced halves pairing. Sexton and Boyd. And two key positions uh, without your first choice players. Titans are going to need to lift here. Do we have any other changes? Uh, Cleese Haas on the bench. And Titans have actually picked up a few players. Englishman Cruz Leeming, who's been in the Leeds Rhino system for a while, also played for Huddersfield Giants. Uh, he's come over, a dummy half. He's not named to play, uh, but I'm interested to see how they use him going forward. So Cruz Leeming, a dummy half. They've also brought over Thomas McKayley, a former West Tiger, who's been playing very well over in the Super League, front rower. Um, and Ken Malmalo, former Warrior, also former Tiger. It was just probably like, get me the fuck out of here. And now he's at the Gold Coast, played for the Burley Bears in the Q Cup on the weekend. So Titans bringing in a couple of uh, interesting names into the mix. Now looking at the Dragons, uh, same 17, they had a great game last weekend. If it ain't broken, don't fix it. And as far as Dragons, Blake Laurie. Not only is he in try-scoring form, but he's in sensational form in general. Uh, in terms of taking your game to the next level, Blake Laurie has done exactly that this year. This fucking chair is so squeaky. I don't know if you can hear it. I just bought a new one as well, so... Stay tuned for the weekend rap podcast, Minimal Squeaking. But yeah, same 17 for the Dragons. This one's really hard to get a read on. Titans have impressed me at stages this year, as have the Dragons. And then there's also plenty of reasons uh, as to why both sides could lose. Now, I think a huge point of difference here is having Ben Hunt and Talatau Amon in the halves. Now, Amon, not an experienced player by any means, but they've had some runs on the board as a halves pairing, whereas I believe this would be the first time Toby Sexton and Tanner Boyd have played alongside each other. Take out Karen Foran, who I think has been a massive part of the Titans' resurgence. Throw in the fact that Sam Verrills still isn't there as well. And also, the fullback, Brimson. Three players from your first choice spine missing. Three of the best players in the team in general. The only player from the first choice spine remaining is Tana Boyd. Great young player, but still very much untested as a halfback. So... That's a real point of difference in this one. Now, when I look at the Fords, I reckon Titans have a way better Ford pack. Fodawaker, Tino Fasil Malawi, David Fafita. It's really, for mine, all about where this game is won and lost. If it's predominantly up to the Fords, that leans me toward the Titans. Whereas, if I'm looking at the backlines and where points come from and a little bit of that magic... It's got to be the Dragons, so it's tough. I'm going to go the Dragons. Very low confidence on this for two reasons. One, the Mad Dragons vodcast. It's got me fired up about the Dragons like I literally never have been before. And two, like I mentioned, no Foreign, no Verils, no Brimson. Uh, to counteract that, I do think that Fasil Malawi and David Fafita are so good that they can negate the impact of missing so many crucial players. But ultimately, 
I mean, Dragon said this week we want to be a top four side. So, fuck, if you want to be a top four side, this is definitely a game they should win. They've already beaten the Titans this year, although that means Gold Coast are going to be very fired up to get one back. I'm going to take the Dragons, and yeah, it's truly just down to the fact that Titans are missing some seriously important players, and Dragons, they started to click last weekend. So Titans, they had a loss, although they were going really well until Foran and Brimson went down. But Titans have gone the loss into the bye, whereas Dragons are coming off a win, they're starting to get their footy flowing, and ultimately, I look at the, the outs for the Titans, and then I look to the Dragons, and who is it always for the Dragons? It's Ben Hunt. And he has a lot of what the Titans are going to be missing here. Great halfback, so much experience. He leads this side around, and they need to be consistent if they want to even be relevant as far as the final series. So if they want to get some consistency, back-to-back wins is how they're going to do it. I picked Dragons last weekend against the Dolphins, and look, they showed some impressive signs. But when I look at these two teams, you really just don't know what you could get, right? They, either of them could come out and play the best we've ever seen them play, or they could play the worst. Very hard to get a read, but I'm going to take St. George. So we're going to go Dragons over the Titans, and for the second consecutive week, come on, Dragons, fire up. I know it's Dragons fans, but I need the Dragons to fire up here. So hoping the Dragons can fire up. St. George over the Titans. Now let's not only get into the last game of the round. Let's get in to my team. My guys absolutely slaying it right now. The Warriors coming off the best regular season win I think I've ever seen as a Warriors fan. It's not going to be easy though. They are going to be taking on a spirited night side at McDonald Jones Stadium in Newcastle. And like the Dragons and Titans, these two sides have already met this season. Warriors getting it done in Wellington. This time though, it's going to be a tough road trip. Let's get into it. Final game of the round. Knights up against the Warriors. Also, it's actually not the last game of the round. My bad. Forgot. I forgot about the Monday footy. Big whoops. Could I go back and edit that out? Yeah, but whatever. Let me just state this. That was not the last game of the round. This is the penultimate game of the round, which is great. We got two more to get into. How good. So now, let's get into it. Knights up against the Warriors. Yeah, sorry about that one. I just got so bloody excited about where the Warriors are at as a club. I just lost track. I totally lost track that it's... I fucking forgot it was Easter. What day is it? It's Tuesday. Wouldn't know that if my laptop didn't tell me. All I'm thinking right now is the Warriors. How far can we go? But firstly, let's take things one game at a time, right? 11th place Knights this Sunday evening. Second placed Warriors. What the fuck? So good. So good. Um, look, this is going to be a tough game. Very tough game, in fact. Knights were my pick for the spoon this year. And they have impressed me a lot. It's one thing to have like a team on paper that look like they're going to lose. 
It's another thing to play like that, which West Tigers, they're playing like losers, and they've got some serious winners within that side, whereas the Knights on paper, I reckon probably the weakest side, respectfully, probably the weakest side on paper in the NRL, and they are not playing like it. I've been really, really impressed with the Knights. Do I see them as a final side? No, not really, but... They just continue to impress. I mean, you look as far back as last weekend and the draw against the Manly Seagulls. Four tries to Dominic Young. Lockie Miller starting to come into his own as fullback. Greg Marziu making a difference. Jackson Hastings. What a quality game-winning halfback. Tigers, fucking hell. Like, oh, they let him go to get John Bateman in. Okay, well, how's that going for them? Not that well. Knights. Benefiting big time from that. Jackson Hastings is exactly the guy they need in that famous Newcastle halfback jersey. So Knights, I must say, they've impressed me a lot. And now judging what I've seen in the first five rounds of the competition, I know better, I know far better than to think this is going to be an easy game. In fact, I think this is going to be a very big challenge for my beloved Warriors. Hopefully, though, a challenge that we can tackle. Uh, now, let me just check out the teams, have a little squiz. Bad head knock last weekend for Tyson Gamble, which was unfortunate. So Phoenix Crossland comes into the halves. Good young player, but I do think Knights... It makes me more confident as a Warriors fan. No KP, no Tyson Gamble. Phoenix Crossland, good, but definitely not... Uh, as good as the other two, in my opinion. Now, Kurt Mann also returns to the side. And Matt Croker, he's good to go after getting absolutely crunched by Jake Trebojevic. Now, more notable changes on the Warriors' side. Tamari Martin is back in the halves. And Torhu Harris has been named. So those are two massive ins. Jazz Tavanga goes back to the bench. Uh, whilst Bailey Sirenin is going to start. Murata Niokore suspended. Which is a shame. Some of these really good forwards like Barnett and Neokore, uh, they are big losses. So big opportunity for Bailey Sirinan. Um, I was interested that they didn't go with Josh Curran to start. I don't exactly know what's going on there because the last couple of years he's been our best player, in my opinion. Um, yeah, I don't know. There must be something kind of going on there. Hopefully not though because, yeah, Josh Curran, I want him to remain a warrior for life. So, Warriors, I mean, the changes for them are good. The changes for the Knights, not so great because it depletes them even further. Uh, but it should be a close game. I expect Knights to give this a real good crack. They've got experience in the forwards like Frizzell, Jaden Braley, Daniel Saifiti, and also Jack Hetherington off the bench who can make a massive difference. Um, but let me talk about the Warriors for a couple of minutes, please. The way we've started this season, it's clear that this, at the very least, is a new Warriors side. The Warriors I've come to know over the longest time would have completely dropped their bundle in that Sharks game. That comeback, the greatest regular season game I've seen as a Warriors fan. Like, that was just something else. And to be honest, Going into 2023, I had a couple of mates say, like I had one mate in particular say to me, 
when we went out for beers, he was like, I reckon Warriors could be, you know, a real sneaky dark horse this year. Not to win the premiership, but just to go really well. And I just said, I was like, man, I've been hurt too many times before. You know, this was the first year, funnily enough, that I didn't come in optimistic. And I just went, you know what? Maybe it's not going to be our year. And now look at us, sitting second. It is April, but I'm already trying to crunch the numbers of, all right, Sydney plans, grand final weekend. You know, it's shit's getting out of control. It's round six, for goodness sake. But this Warriors site, all I ask each season is to be competitive and at least give me some finals action. Qualify for the top eight. Give me reason to get excited. Warriors are doing so much more than that now. They're giving me reasons to get excited, not just about 2023, but also our long-term future. Sean Johnson, I spoke about it in the Weekend Rap podcast, the way he's stood up and taken leadership on uh, like he never really has at the Warriors has been so good to see. And now that he's back with his family, he's living in a stable environment. Of course, Warriors, the whole COVID situation was insanity. Uh, But Sean Johnson, you can see it now that he's back home with his family. There's a smile on his face. And isn't that just reflecting in his footy? Winding back the clock in a major way to start this season. Uh, Chance Nicole Cookstart has been fantastic. So happy to have him back in Warriors colours. Our wingers, I mean, these are two guys that might not make you know, the starting team for some of the better sides, Ed Cossey and Marcelo Montoya, I couldn't ask for more from them so far than what they've done this season. So much so, Dallin Wateni Zalesniak, named in the number 18 jersey, a Kiwi international, and going into this year, absolutely first picked on the wing. But Ed Cossey, such as his performance has been, we've got selection headaches. It's so good to see. It's exactly what we need. The side are thriving. Uh, Adenfanua, Blake, Bunty, Afoa have been phenomenal up front. Wade Egan scoring tries for fun. He's in career best form. Jackson Ford. I mean, what an underrated signing. This guy, I knew he was decent. Like, I'd been watching him, and most of what I'd seen of him uh, was at reserve grade level. Like, he never really got that opportunity to be a back rower at the Dragons. And now that he's been given a crack, I mean, Jackson Ford, what a player, honestly. Bailey Surinan in the back row, Tohu Harris, our captain, he is the pinnacle of consistency and showing up. And it's so good that now the team around him are starting to do the same. Dylan Walker has been exceptional off the bench. Perfect number 14 signing. Jazz Tavanga, playing as good as he ever has. I really believe uh, that now with Walker coming in and having Torhu Harris named at lock instead of playing front row, um, I really think now Jazz Tavanga can do what he does best and just get into the tough stuff. He doesn't have to worry about creating play and being that ball-playing middle. He can just do what he does best, as I said. Go fucking hard, tackle hard, run hard. Tavanga and Dylan Walker, the board brothers, I am so on board with this. Tom Arley, or Ale, I think it's Arley, really good young kid, had some trouble with injuries, been in our system for a while, so good to see him making the side on a consistent basis. 
and then some amazing young players within our system as well. So for the first time in such a long time, I'm just so excited about the NRL season ahead. Now, if we were sitting 8th or ninth, I'm still a little bit excited. We're sitting 2nd. Four wins from five games, and it's not so much the results or the wins. It's how we won. In round one against the Knights, the very same team we come up against this weekend, we had to dig deep. That was not an easy game, and it really came down to the wire, but we got it done. Now, round two, we got some glimpses at the Warriors of years past with some uh, mistakes at really crucial junctures of the game against the Roosters. Uh, But then we beat the Cowboys in Townsville, I'm trying to rack my brain what was after that. Bulldogs at Mount Smart, of course. Uh, and then the comeback against the Sharks was just like unlike anything I've ever seen from the Warriors. And that definitely reflected in their celebrations after the game. Sean Johnson's interview. Like, this wasn't just a win. It was a statement. This is truly a new Warriors side. And the key word, the key theme is resilience. Such a resilient outfit, and I mean, who else do we need to give credit to? The coach, Andrew Webster, a man who has bided his time for years. A man who there was no fanfare around when he was announced as the coach. Spent time previously as a Warriors assistant. At one point, he was a Tigers interim coach. Uh, Just another good coach, Tigers have uh, let go. Sorry for burning the Tigers at every opportunity. Um, And then, of course, Panthers assistant last year. But Andrew Webster, even before a ball was kicked this year, just in every interview, every interaction I saw of him, it gave me a lot of encouragement that this is the guy to take the Warriors forward. And in my opinion, we haven't had a coach in over a decade that I really felt like this is our guy. The last guy, Ivan Cleary. So... We've burnt through coaches, we've had heaps of player turnovers, we've been stuck in Australia for a number of years, all these different factors, and we just continue to struggle year after year. You come in in the preseason thinking this could be our year, and you end the season thinking fucking hell, basically. But now, it's a new era, and I'm stoked to be a part of it. I am so happy we've got Andrew Webster And not just for 2023, but going forward, I'm starting to get really, really hyped about the Warriors. Now, I'm trying to keep a lid on it, but that is very tough. So, speaking of tough, the Knights. Going to be a very tough game. Newcastle, not an easy place to play. And what we've learned is that Newcastle, no matter what team is named, these guys are going to show up and they are going to give it a red hot crack. So, there is absolutely no room for complacency, and look, in years past, that would definitely be the danger, a complacent Warriors. But I truly feel this is a new era. This is a new Warriors side. Complacency does not exist within this team. Resilience does. That's the key word, and if we can continue to show that same resilience, I think we can get it done. And fuck, I hope we can get it done. I would love to say, or stay, second on the ladder. So I'm going to go the Warriors here. Obviously, there is an element of bias. And I actually reckon 
This could be a danger game. I'm a bit wary of placing my money on it. Knights, they're capable of getting it done here, especially given all the fanfare around the Warriors, whereas no one's really talking about the Knights. So Newcastle, they're going to be looking to give everyone a reason to talk about the Knights. And a good way to do that would be to beat the Warriors, steal some of that spotlight, and go on from there. But I'm a Warriors man through and through, so let's absolutely lock it in. I am taking my second place. Holy shit. Trying to keep a lid on it is not easy. Second placed mighty one New Zealand Warriors. Let's go on. Warriors over the Knights. Now, for real this time, let's get into the final game of the round. Finishing off the round, we've got the shit show showdown. The West Tigers. 17th placed all through the news. Like, I've been talking shit about them. Everyone's been talking shit about them. Luke Brooks criticised. Justin Pascoe criticised. Tim Sheens criticised. Um, Adam Dewey is our best fullback. Now they're abandoning that experience or experiment. Speaking of experience, the whole experience is just a shit show. I have no idea what's going on with the Tigers. Like I said on the weekend rap podcast, there's only really one way out of this. You just got to keep working hard. It's literally that grim. You just got to work your way out of it, which they're trying, but they're not. They're just not on the same page. I don't know what's going on. They're taking on the 15th placed Eels. Last year's grand finalists. Highly doubtful they'll be this year's grand finalists. Not quite a shit show though, although they themselves were in the news around searching for an X-Factor game-breaking fullback. Ah, yeah, Eels still with plenty of work to do going into this game. And funnily enough, last year, Tigers started 0-5. The first team they beat was the Eels in this exact same predicament. However... Um, Tigers, they kind of had the wood on Broncos too, and look how that went last weekend. They've kind of had the Knights number in recent years, and look how that went in the early rounds. So, yeah, I think this West Tigers team, even games where previously poor Tigers games have won, these guys just don't seem up to it. Now, looking at the teams, I was really really making a case for the Tigers winning this. I love their back row, Isaiah Papali'i, John Bateman. Um, but, like, I went Tigers the first two games of the season. They burned me, and I was like, you know what? I'm not going. I'm not going with you guys anymore until you at least win. At least show me you guys can win. And they haven't so far. Now, we've got some more team changes. What a surprise. Tigers fucking... Changing around their spine, for goodness sake. Adam Dewey, uh, they moved him to fullback. Now they're like, oh, whoops, that didn't work. Let's bring him back to 5'8". Charlie Staines, he's been named at fullback. Could have been Dane Laurie, but I don't know if you guys saw. He liked an Instagram post of Selwyn Cobbo scoring a try against the Tigers. And Tigers fans... Actually, that's not fair. I want to say Tigers fans are going off. But I've seen plenty of Tigers fans saying that they want Dane Laurie in. Uh, but some people being, you know, like, you know, get rid of this guy. We don't want him in the team. Or because he liked an Instagram post. Like, this is the kind of shit that only happens 
at the Tigers, then the CEO's on the field and he's in the dressing sheds and just, it's a shit show. I'm here for it, it's kind of entertaining sitting by and watching, but it gets boring. It really gets boring after a while when it's the same team. I would like, where my Warriors are at, second place and just showing so much improvement, I would genuinely be happy to be seeing that from the West Tigers because they are due. But in their existence as a merger club, three finals appearances, a 2005 premiership, 2010 and 11, they were actually there or thereabouts. Not the favourites, but they were definitely a threat. Other than that, just nothing. Nothing. So, yeah, it's just shocking. The Tigers are honestly shocking. Uh, so, yeah, more changes to the spine. Brent Naden comes back in and Joe Offenghawi comes onto the bench for Justin Matamua. Uh, Tommy Talao is still sidelined with a broken nose and also hurt feelings about the Jackson Hastings incident, apparently. That was honestly, the Talao and Clemmer thing was like the only time I've seen the Tigers fire up this year. And it sucks. I'm so sick of like talking shit about them, but I certainly don't have anything good to say about the Tigers. I'm waiting for them to change that. Last year, I said, I think the Tigers are going to bottom out. Like I really thought last year's as bad as it gets. And that got me excited about this year. Now that excitement is dead and buried. I said they were going to bottom out last year. They've literally sunk to a new low. Last year they finished 16th. Right now, they're sitting 17th. Goodness gracious. Ah, but for the Eels, let's get on to some positive stuff. Sean Lane is back for the Eels. That's definitely a good in. Uh, Jermaine Hopgood drops to the bench. And a couple of changes in the back line. Hayes Dunster onto the wing. Really happy to see that after he went down with injury in the preseason last year. Would have been even tougher, not only to miss the whole season, but then to see a side where you were thought of as one of the starting wingers go all the way to the grand final. So really happy for Hayes Dunster. And we see Sean Russell come into the centres for Wunga Blake. I read somewhere that Sean Russell was out for the season, so... I'm stoked he's not, because if you follow the podcast, you'd be aware of the Not Just a Sports Report One to Watch series, which I released before the season. Uh, one young player from every club, one to watch, kind of speaks for itself, right? Just a kid to keep an eye on that I think could have a really impactful season. Now for the Eels, Sean Russell was my pick. And in terms of a game breaker, in terms of X Factor, look, he barely has a handful of first grade games, but... I think this Sean Russell kid has a lot of what the Eels are actually looking for. So I'm excited to see him get a run. Uh, still no Junior Paolo, which definitely brings the Tigers right into this contest. But yeah, ultimately, I mean, I look at the, bull, uh, the Bulldogs, bloody hell, the Eels spine. Josh Hodgson, they've clearly identified he's their number nine. Dylan Brown and Mitchell Moses, we've known for a couple of years now, like, these are Parramatta's guys. These are the halves that they want to win a premiership with. And Clint Gutherson, the fullback, the captain, very much established within their spine. Then you look at the Tigers' spine and, like, week to week it just changes. Like, goodness gracious, how are they supposed to get any cohesion when they don't even know 
what their best 17 is. So, yeah, Tigers, I honestly reckon there's a big chance they win this. And I was very close to tipping them. But then I just had, like, post-traumatic stress disorder flashbacks of the first two rounds when they got given two games at Leichhardt to get themselves started. And they totally shit the bed. And I went Tigers both those times. And kind of like with the Raiders, even after that, I was like, I've seen enough. I kind of get what the Tigers are about this year. And then I've gone against them every week since. But I didn't think this things would get this grim this early. So, geez, a, a win would definitely alleviate some pressure. And I can make a definite case. Like I said, Papa Lee and John Bateman in the back row is a major point of difference. Api Corusau, he's so creative out of acting half. Especially like the Fords, when you consider Parramatta's use of their interchange, Tigers Fords can definitely get on the front foot here. Yutoikamanu and Clemmer, they are the enforcers of this side. They need to stand up, and their job's made a little easier by not having to go head-to-head -head with Junior Paolo. But I just, the Eels, without any confidence in the Eels either, I still have some kind of faith that they can be playing finals this year, whereas Tigers' shop's closed, which is fucked. It's round six, and it's just, like, it's so grim. And I said they bottomed out last year. They've gone lower, and now it's like it doesn't even look like they've hit their lowest. I actually just saw as well on uh, Punters and Dribblers, the Hello Sport Facebook group, someone posted the Tigers' Anzac Day strip and said it had American soldiers on it. So, like, just one thing from another to another. I don't even know. I really don't know what's going on with the Tigers. Thankfully, although I know a lot of Tigers fans, including my own auntie, so, like, Tigers fans, for them, I want to see Tigers succeed. But as far as how bad they're failing, it doesn't personally affect me. I honestly couldn't give a shit because they're not my team, but it's getting bad. It's getting so embarrassing. If there is ever a time to put the foot down and say enough is enough, it's this Monday against the Eels. It could definitely happen. It could absolutely happen and it needs to happen, but I'm going with the Parramatta Eels because although they sit 15th, they still have finals aspirations. I don't know if they're going to get there. I really think they could be in danger. Of missing the finals this year uh, but ultimately in the bigger picture of the season I still have hope for the Eels Tigers I have hope they can improve but I have absolutely no hope they can make the eight and then some they're gonna be flat out trying to avoid the wooden spoon very disappointing from a club that I thought I'd seen the worst from it just keeps getting worse and worse that's enough negativity for one evening, though, for me. So let's lock in the final tip of the round. Eels over the West Tigers. And I tell you what, if Tigers win, I'll be here this weekend on the Weekend Wrap Review Podcast, and I will be more than happy to talk about the great things they did during the game, talk about their first win of the season, and get excited about where they can go from here. Maybe not this year, but building forward uh, toward an exciting future. So I'll be the first to put my hand up and talk 
positively about the Tigers when they give me something positive to talk about. Right now, they are not giving me much positive to talk about. Neither are the Eels, but yeah, let's lock it in. Eels over the Tigers. That concludes the NRL Round 6 preview. Do not forget, if you enjoyed today's podcast, best way to support us is to chuck us a follow over on Instagram at not just a sports report. Plenty of footy content going up there and working on some new concepts as well, which will be exclusive to the Instagram page. Other than that, only one other thing to plug, and that is the Weekend Wrap podcast will be released either Sunday evening or Monday morning. Hard to plug something when you're not giving a specific time, uh, but if you follow the Instagram, we post as soon as it's out. So, I mean, by latest Monday morning, there will be the Weekend Wrap podcast. Today is the preview of the games, a lot of questions, and we'll have some answers for the Weekend Wrap. Uh, Now, fucking hell, I keep forgetting about the Monday game. How am I going to release a Monday morning podcast when the round's not finished? So it'll end up being like Monday evening. There we go. Oh, goodness. I can't wait to go back to the regular schedule. Like, you throw in one Monday game and I just start malfunctioning. I can't fucking... I can't function. So, look, there we've got it. I think I've got all eight games, unless there's like a Tuesday game I'm forgetting about. Uh, But those were my tips. Let's hope they can get up, and I'll be back this Monday night. I was going to say weekend. Not much of a, uh, not much of a memory, this one. Uh, but yeah, weekend wrap, Monday evening. There we go. Monday evening, it'll be out. All my thoughts on the games, as well as a comprehensive breakdown of the weekend's performance highlights. That is it, though, for today. So let's wrap it right there. Thank you so much for listening. Always appreciate your support. And until next time, take care and hopefully your team gets up this weekend.